Hi, it's Jay Mueller from Bad Producer Productions. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's one of seven we currently produce. They include The Garrett, Team Effort, Childproof by Tony Martin and Geraldine Quinn, Game Changers with Craig Bruce, In the Pocket NFL, The Greatest Season That Was 93, and our newest podcast, The Final Word Cricket Podcast with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. I don't know which of those you're about to listen to, but whichever one it is, I hope you enjoy it, and I'm grateful for your time and enthusiasm. Thank you. All of our podcasts are supported by the generous team at A.V. Jennings. For more than 85 years, A.V. Jennings has created communities for people just like you. A.V. Jennings communities are designed for the way people want to live today. To find out more, visit avjennings.com.au. A.V. Jennings, your community developer. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsor, A.V. Jennings. Game Changers. The show about the people who make the shows, not the people behind the scenes, not the companies, the people behind the mics, the The people who put it all on the line, the people who put their personalities and lives on display every day and invite you to either love them or hate them. This is Game Changers, Series 3, UK. Hi, this is Craig Bruce, and welcome to Game Changers. It's Series 3. We're in the UK, talking to some of the very best broadcasters in this country. So far, Christian O'Connell, Ken Bruce, still to come, Mike Toolan, Nick Ferrari, and Clive Dickens, who's been one of the most influential programmers and thought leaders in England and now in Australia. And in this episode, we sit down and chat with Heart Breakfast host Jamie Thixton. It was when I turned up uh, on my first set commercial radio, and this is the guy, this is the programming floor, these are the guys, oh, hi guys, you know, this is the guy who does this, and there was about, you know, eight or nine guys there, top blokes, thinking this is going to be great. And then I went on the other eight floors of salespeople. <laughs> hundreds of banks and banks of dollars. Okay, I understand where the power lies. Right, of course. So you've got, these are the important people that we are uh, selling ads, and then the, you know, the guys actually make the bits that go in between the ads. There's only like yeah. six or seven of us. Jamie has been in the driver's seat of the Heart Breakfast Show for well, over 11 years now, and he's one of the most versatile presenters in the UK. You would have seen him on TV. He's an actor, he's a quality sports presenter, and of course a brilliant breakfast radio host. Jamie is sharp, like really smart, and I've always thought that one of the most important qualities you can bring to a breakfast show is an ability to talk about any topic, and to bring a level of intelligence and understanding to any conversation that you're in, and Jamie is absolutely that person. The other thing which I think you'll notice in this interview is how self-aware Jamie is. He's got a really great sense of what he does well, along with, I guess, a, a pragmatic view on his weaknesses. I think that's called humility, isn't it? It's one of my favourite personality traits in a person. It's one of the reasons I enjoyed talking to Jamie. It's a really good interview. I think you're going to enjoy this. Jamie Thixton is a UK radio game changer. Thank you. What a real thrill this is well, for, uh, me too. for me you know i think you know you made it when you're on game changes that's that's the way i look at it i'm taking that quote and i'm putting that you can put that on, on there. my twitter feed in five seconds and it's great to be able to listen to you know pro- middle-aged probably slightly overweight australian djs who i don't know who they are but you know what it's great so, now we need to start with that seminal moment before we get moving the one that really changed everything for you so where were you the day that shane warned bold mike gadding <laughs> Yeah, right. ball oh of the my goodness. Yeah, well, I remember you clearly watched. I mean, we've all watched it back a million times. Uh, Not as many times as we have. No, uh, he, uh, Shane, and I did a radio show together. So you're a cricket fan, big and a cricket, cricket fan. player too. Did you? Uh, did you have a? Did you open the batting with? 
Brian Lara at a charity uh, game? That's once? right. I had, I did uh, against. Um, it was against Kent University, and I remember it very clearly because they put on. You can imagine how pumped up there these kind of young, rangy nineteen-year-olds were coming in off their full run-up, <laughs> trying to <laughs> knock their hat off uh, Brian Lara. And of course, I was at the other end, <laughs> having to explain to them that I wasn't a cricketer and this wasn't really <laughs> how it was done. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was it, what the, the best bit was being able, you know, mid. What do you do when you're batting with Brian Lara? And at the end of an over, you go up in the middle, and what do you say? You know, get behind it, mate. You know, it was uh, it was quite something. What you do is you try to get to the other end and watch. It. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly what you do. Yeah, you watch the master the in action. So, acting, radio, TV, sports presenting. I mean, to use a cricket analogy, you're, you're a genuine all rounder. Ah, uh, yeah. I guess I spent a lot of time trying to work out what it was that I was best at. Uh, or Have you got at. to that point yet? I don't. Th- well, uh, I guess in a way, do you when need I was- to? I, I, it would be nice to know what you're, what you should be doing. Uh, when I was younger, I, I guess I was uh, I had the freedom to be able to try and do different things and work out that I was wasn't so good at some things and terrified of some things. I, I did a a couple of plays in the West End, and that was just the most terrifying thing I'd ever done. And really, I felt exposed, and I was I'm terrible at learning lines. I mean, the performance aspect of it I enjoyed, but I don't think I'd go back to that. Uh, I miss doing TV, and people off. You know, I think people, most people, maybe associate myself me with TV more than radio. Sometimes, I guess uh, I'm not sure if that's still the case, but. Uh, but it was. I've been blessed to have been able to do them all, I guess. Yeah. The um, National Youth Theatre, yeah. uh, the age of 13, uh, you talked yeah. about those times being challenging and even scary. Yeah, really scary. I remember I, I, I had a geography teacher when I was at school who was uh, also a drama teacher who encouraged me uh, to go on audition for the, the National Youth Theatre. And I was never much good. And I was always – I never had any – I think I had one line in one play over the case of – over the course of – Five years I was there. You weren't a tree at the back of the stage. I was so. that. I would have bit their arm off to be a tree. <laughs> I might have been a branch. Um, but um, we had. It, it was. It was a great experience. And I. And I. You know, it's funny now because people in my in my year at the time, Daniel Craig was in my year, and you know he's now the highest paid actor in cinema. 007. Mm. I get up at five a.m. <laughs> um, I don't know how we split, but there we go. Uh, it was it was it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was tough though, you know, uh, and and also living in London, moving to London when you're 15, having to live on your own, no money. You know, you didn't we didn't have any grants or anything like that. And my parents weren't. I wouldn't say they were happy about it. I wouldn't go as far as to say they were supportive. So it was a tough time. But you know, this is a tough business that we work in. So I guess it's all. What skills did you learn from acting that that were transferable to radio? That's a good point because I think people forget about the often people forget about the performance aspect of what we do, and I think that uh, that is a really important part of what you do. Obviously, as an actor, you're just saying someone else's words, but there's still you have to understand that there is an audience there who want to be entertained, mm. and obviously with, with what we do now every day, that's that's the same thing. And so when it is a performance and when often you hear people say, oh, you just be yourself, that's like terrible advice, I think, because A, if you're yourself, it's quite dull, certainly from my point of view. And you're not really ever, you're, you're playing a version of yourself that's a kind of heightened version of yourself. Yeah. 
So it's all part of the performance. And also, you need to be brave to be able to do what we do. Confidence is absolutely vital. And you see it often with people who, who are starting out and they, uh, their nerves maybe hold them back. Uh, and I think that um, when people who've, been, who've done it for a while are very confident in what they do, you really you, you see that in their in their performance. You know, it's interesting because I mean I've made a <laughs> career out of telling people to be themselves on the air. So if it's not to be yourself, then then I know you've kind of touched on it, but take me a bit deeper into that. I guess mm. it's uh, I I feel that it is it is a version of yourself. It's a sort of heightened version of yourself, really, in a way. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you uh, if you're at a dinner party or you're at a drinks party and you're having you're me- you're making small talk, meeting people you don't know, then you're kind of you, you, that's a performance right there. You know, you know what I mean. And you're thinking of engaging maybe stories to tell them about yourself, or you're trying to kind of is, establish some kind of uh, a conversation. And and it's kind of, it's a you know you feel tired afterwards. I don't know. I feel I would feel I know oof, that yeah. was uh, tough. And and then that's the kind of, and that's much the same, I guess, every day when we're on the radio. And I think after a while, you think you're just being yourself, but in a way, you've, that, that 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 heightened version of yourself has just become so familiar to you that uh, that's kind of who you are, I guess. Back to acting, Hamish Blake from Hamish and Andy was in New York a couple of years ago and did some improv sessions at a, a theatre company in New York and came back and talked about some of the parallels between improv and, and mm. live radio. Can I take you through a couple yeah, of things sure. to see what you think? Uh, so there were four that he talked about, yes and. Um, the only way a scene can move forward is yes and. Right. Which, which is whatever you say, I'm, I'm going to – it's yes move it and on. move it forward. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's what we're in a way we're always moving the conversation forward. You know, when there is a, you know, w- if a big story breaks, uh, for instance, the, um, Brad and Angelina was a big story yesterday. Uh, it's then about how we know the story and then what do we do with it afterwards. So I guess that there is a, you're always thinking of ways you move that forward. It's not good enough just to say Brad and Angelina have broken up. You then need to come up with the treatment. Uh, how, you know how you then handle yep. that and how you move it on. Don't think. Let go of your preconceived punchline or idea about how you thought something was going to be funny in your head before the scene started. Yeah, that's a tough one for me because I'm a pl- I'm a planner. You're a writer and a real planner. planner. Everything I do is. I like to feel that to the nth degree that I've got it covered, and that's so. I go into pretty much every link knowing exactly how I'm going to finish it because anyone can start a link a true professional knows how to end a link and that is absolutely key and I'm not good enough to be able to nail that ending on the fly but I, I mean I, I love that because I had a period of time on the air and I wrote down every single word that I would say <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. from hi this is yeah. Craig Bruce and here's the radio station and now I, I got to a point where I, I didn't necessarily read every word it was just there as a sure. but it had to go into my brain for me to get the structure right and out the other end yeah and I refused to move even a half a degree from that process I mean you it might you might find really that important. you know during the course obviously of a live show your or the or even a link let's break it down so in the course of a link obviously it might go in a in a slightly different way and i think that but you can only do that once the planning has been done it's yes. like you know you can build your you have to have strong foundations before you start building your house and you can smash the house down during the course of it but you need to know the foundations have to be there otherwise it just becomes too loose you get blown around no you know the, the link ends up being baggy you know what it's like it gets too long yep. it loses any sense of direction and by the time you get to an end and you cue a song 
and there's nothing on the end of it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a punchline. It might, you know, it might be, you know, obviously the easy one out is, what do you think, guys? Text, Text us, <laughs> let us know what you know. What, yeah. what. And that's that's an easy way out, but it has to have something. And I, I, for instance, I mean, I've I've done many shows where I've turned up with, you know, people have turned. I've done with much more talented presenters than I am, who just come in and they just nail it and they do it and they're brilliant. Mm. And yet I'm exactly the opposite. I remember when I first did live TV and I was presenting a show, three-hour live show uh, with a girl called Zoe Ball who is a, was a, had that really innate ability just to be able to react to things instantly and everyone loved her for it. Mm. But it was a nightmare to work with because she just didn't have a clue. Like, we'd turn up, what are we doing here? I don't know where we're going next. And so you'd kind of... I was the one who sort of carried... Uh, that's the wrong expression. I was, I guess, I was sort of held it together in yeah, a way. The structure, yep. yeah, exactly. Yep. But that I only uh, had the ability to do that by learning what everyone did. I turned. I'd never done live TV before. She'd done it before, and I needed to know who, what that guy holding a big furry thing did, what the why that lighting guy was doing that. And only when I truly felt like I knew what everyone was doing, felt entirely comfortable in my environment, then I had the ability to be able to go and do it. You know? Honesty is funny. Always try and use honesty as a root of humour. Yeah, that's another tricky one. You know, I think that one it's one of the things that I struggle with maybe more than anything when uh, to be per- to be honest about uh, things. You know, I spend a lot of time fiercely defending my privacy, you know, even in in courtrooms in the past. So the idea then when I moved to radio to then be completely open about who I was and my family and what I did day to day was a was a really tricky for me. And so I'd to counter that, you know, I would I didn't sort of invent scenarios and the honesty thing sort of disappeared out the window. <laughs> um, and you can't you can only do that for a certain amount of time. And then you kind of just have to. So what so yeah, I was going to say, so so where, how does the audience connect with you if you're not? Well, this is it. And I learned, you know, that you do, you, you know, you have to have the the honesty and the integrity has to be there. Because otherwise the audience will, won't, why would they go, well, I, I'm, why would I invest my time in this if mm. this guy's a fraud, you know? Yeah. And you'll soon get found out if you're not being honest with your audience. One last one. Put the scene first. There's no such thing as a funny performer in a bad scene. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot to be said for that. I don't think you can, you couldn't perform your way out of a, something that's been p- poorly maybe conceived in the first place. I mean, we've all done features where, you see, this is not this is not flying, you yeah. know. And you think, well, is it a? And obviously, as the as the performer, you kind of question your own sort of ability to. Well, am, am I doing this wrong? Am I, co- you know, should I be on the side of the listener with this, or should I be fighting the listener with it? Where's the funny? Where's the funny in this? Where should I position myself in it? And then sometimes you think, you know what? It just it, it, sometimes even you think you've got this feature, you think this is going to be brilliant. They're going to love it. Sometimes it just goes for nothing, and you just have to. Let, you've got to know be honest with yourself this is we, let's put this to bed move and let's on. move on yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so at 23 you're presenting a Saturday morning show sports yeah. show on the BBC that's 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 young to be having your own yeah I think um, there was a, it was a, at around about the time I was quite lucky I guess at the time when I was a sort of one of the first I guess radio people who had made their name on TV and then they'd been dumped into radio shows in the hope that they might be able to kind of sprinkle a little so radio was never really a part of the plan necessarily. no not really although oddly i started in radio you know my very first i started off reading the travel news was my very first job when i was still at university which, which is traffic back home traffic folks, yeah. traffic news uh that's okay I, just in case you're yeah, wondering exactly what he did a show about what well, going on holiday that sounds great <laughs> uh, so 
Uh, so I get you know, and and I and I'd gone through a BBC training, co- a radio training course, and uh, but I'd still had, uh, and then I, I I did some sports stuff, but like, I, I, and I drove a desk on a local sports show, and um, that was pretty tough. And then I did sort of bits and pieces, but I I, I wasn't really sure where that was all going. Mm. But I I felt like it felt right. But it didn't. I didn't really know enough about what else there was to do, really. And then the so TV landed in my lap by being working at the BBC at the time. And then the kind. And then that was it, really. I moved on to TV. Did you have a mentor or someone that that uh, that kind of pointed you in the right direction and, and helped you with the radio component? Was there no, not really. Out? It's funny because people kind of think that there's some people expect you to, to know what to do, and and there's somehow that there is a, a sort of I don't know like a. Haynes manual for being a presenter and there's a sort of there was no there's no uh, path there's no well-trodden path that you go oh this is what I do you know I do this and then this happens and then this happens so how did you learn well I you just kind of as you go along really and uh I was I was fortunate enough I guess to make the right decisions and I had people who backed me who uh took risks with me when uh, my first um big tv show People didn't know who I was, and this guy said, and I was known as the wild card. Even when we were, they were auditioning, we said, well, because people didn't even know my name. So they go, we'll go with the wild card. We'll give him a go. And <laughs> and I remember, you know, you see, so you'd do, you'd screen test with different people. Yeah. And they were like, you know, people who are much more well-known than I was. Uh, and and so, yeah, you get those those breaks happen, you get lucky, and then you, do, you kind of kick on from there, really. It's really interesting because uh – you know, I talk to lots of young announcers starting out and, you know, they're desperate for that content director or controller, as you guys call them, that's going to come into their world and help them get better as an announcer. Mm. And I said, you know what, sometimes you, you can even be in a large market, a Sydney or a Melbourne market, and still not have the support and the feedback that you think yeah. that you're going to get. And, it, at, you know, ultimately, you've got to work most of it out yourself. You'll sure. get some support along the way. So that that sounds like that's kind of how... Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the support learn. thing tends to happen or you get that after you've joined anyway if you know what i mean so it's not like you know if you're looking to to if you're looking for a break there is no unfortunately those no, kind of magic form it's just hard work you've got to keep sticking at it yeah. and you've got to make and you just got to be you've got to make enough noise for someone to take notice you know and i think that's the key thing because unfortunately nowadays a lot of people in management are nervous of taking risks and they don't want to be the guy who made the wrong decision mm-hmm. and so you'll find that a lot of the decisions are made are tend to be pretty safe decisions and that and that's a real it's a big shame for talented people to to get on in our industry because you really need you know you've got people who are pretty out out there and they're the guys that sometimes you want to uh, listen to all the time yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the ones that absolutely sure. cut through And more of Jamie Theakston in just a moment. If you're listening to this on iTunes, could you leave us a review? That would be really handy. And I'd love to know where you're listening from. You can drop me a note on Twitter at CB underscore Bruce. There is plenty more to come in Season 3 of Game Changers, and there is so much more in Seasons 1 and 2, including one half of one of the most iconic radio shows in Australia, Mick Malloy. It's that murky border where business and creative meet, and you've got to be really strong at that point, or you'll get rolled. And if you get rolled, your show is going to be shit. It'll be, you'll be hitting everything right, and it'll be sounding right, and you'll be doing the ads, and you'll be doing everything everything properly but you won't be connecting you'll be keeping sales department happy and you won't be connecting with your audience so you've got to really fight and find a number of ways to get 
the outcome that you want, and it's a constant battle. That's Mick Malloy in Season 1 of Game Changers. You can listen to him after you've checked out Jamie Theakston at RadioGameChangers.com. Now, it's back to Jamie. So Heart Breakfast is now 10 years in the making. What was the 10-year anniversary? This yeah, time last well, year? I think uh, I think we might... We're certainly 11 years now, 11, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is... Yeah. Um, it's just become part of my life now. Uh, so you replaced an Aussie, Jonathan Coleman, that's back right. in 2005. Yeah. Uh, that was a... a, 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 it, was an un, it was a tricky transition at the time because, again, I'd come from... I'd done radio at the BBC. I was on Radio 1 for a bit, and I did shows on Radio 5, and I'd never done any commercial radio before, so that was quite a big change for me. What is the difference between... Uh, culturally between the BBC and commercial radio. Explain it for um, our friends back home who might not understand it. Um, so basically, so we have like, a, we have a, a, the BBC was a public service broadcaster um, who uh, is, is funded by a license fee rather than from advertising. So I don't know if you have something similar back home. ABC. But, okay, yes. fine. Yep. So, uh, so the BBC and then you have uh, commercial radio, which is entirely funded by, uh, by ads. And uh, I guess the easiest way to describe the two, having worked for both, was when I turned up uh, on my first day at commercial radio, and this is the guy. This is the programming floor. These are the guys. Oh, hi guys! You know, this is the guy who does this, and there was about you know eight or nine guys there, top blokes. Thinking this is going to be great, and then I went on the other eight floors of salespeople, hundreds <laughs> of banks and banks of. I was like, okay, I understand where the power lies. Right, of course. So you've got these are the important people that we are uh, selling ads, and then the you know the guys that actually make the bits that go in between the ads. There's only like six or seven of us. So uh, you you kind of understand where the where the the power and the and the money lies. Um, what we, when I was at the BBC, radio wasn't a big deal really. You're aware of your figures, but certainly I didn't. Well, I, you know, you didn't lie awake at night on mm-hmm. radio morning panicking about your numbers because you just got on with it and you kind of had a lot more freedom to do what you want to do. Uh, and I guess that's that's kind of a, a bit of a big difference with commercial radio. Tell me about the the pressure, either perceived or real, of of stepping into a breakfast show in London on a brand like Heart, where you know you are the host and and the focus. D- did you feel any pressure? Did you was it? You know, yeah, what, sure. What was that like? I felt t- um, people ha- people have tend to be very. Uh, the, the breakfast shows are a very important part of people's lives uh, in any city, in any big city, anywhere really. But certainly in a city, you know, London is a you know it can be a tough place to live. It's difficult to get into work in the morning. It's difficult to get the kids to work. There's quite a lot. It's it can be quite hard. So what we try and do, obviously, every morning is to try and make people's mornings that much. It's like their life, but slightly brighter. That's what we want to do. It's your life, but brighter. So yeah. we try and make it that much easier. And people feel very proprietorial about their breakfast shows. So when there's a change in a host, it's kind of a big deal. And you want to make that transition as easy as possible for the listener because it's very easy to go, oh, maybe this is a chance, just a time to listen to someone else. And once they're gone, they're gone. The getting them back is really, <laughs> you know how tough it is, Greg. Well, well, I know how tough it you is know. now. I mean, you know what? It's funny you should say that, Jamie, because, you, you know, I've worked in radio for 20-odd years, and when you're in – side the industry you assume that you can win listeners back from yeah. survey to survey and you just yeah. uh, when you step away you understand the the habitual nature of radio listening sure. and once Completely. you're absolutely right once they're gone it's so uh, but the the flip side is once they're on board and when they like you yeah they'll you, like you forever yeah they stick once they're picked they'll stick and once they get it and you know and that's why you realize how uh, important advertising is in terms of 
being able to say to people who don't listen to your show hey how about these guys you know give them a go that you know it might be shit you might hate it or you know what you might want to spend your mornings with them because and so whenever that whenever whenever a show changes or a new show comes in or there's a change of hosts there's that churn that goes on where people start floating around is a really great opportunity mm. to kind of grab someone and go hey give us a try you know you, you might like it so you had a co-host harriet scott yeah for eight years that's right yeah she was fantastic you know she was uh i've got a lot of time a lot of respect for harriet she um she's a t- talented broadcaster and she allowed me to kind of develop i guess as a radio host and uh, she'd been doing it for years is far more experienced, far more talented than I was. And I think that gave us a great, you know, we built a platform for that, for the show, which I'm kind of reaping the benefits of now. And I certainly wouldn't have been able to have uh, uh, done it and do what I'm doing now without her. So eight years together in a small room like this one. Yeah. Thanks for organising the best you can. Yeah, you like it, don't you? It's a shit box. Yeah. I'm uh. so, I just apologise for the bars on the windows. Um, but it, we'd like to get a little bit of light in just so we know that it's either day or night. But eight years with a uh, with an on-air partner, that, that, takes, that takes work and effort, doesn't it? How did sure. you guys, what did you talk about in terms of maintaining a relationship that was helpful and, and, and healthy? Uh, I guess it was... Yeah, we it's funny because you we didn't really see much of each other off air and i and i don't know how you know, i don't really hang out much with other breakfast presenters and i'd be intrigued to know what their relationship is with their co-hosts off air but we didn't really see that much of each other outside of the studio but that was never a problem you know we'd turn up and we'd go and it would be three hours and it would just, I, you know, you knew each other's strengths and weaknesses, and it just, and it just was a really. I thought it was a great show, and it was a, I think it was a good listen, and you know, she was on top of her game, but I don't know what you know. There's, it's, it goes down to the, it's the c word, isn't it? Chemistry. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and we did, we, and and you can't program chemistry. It either no. develops or it doesn't. It, sure. it either happens or it doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. so Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> yes, Craig. <laughs> You're working with a Spice Girl now. I you? know. Yeah, yeah. Emma and I. Had, You're your mates, aren't you? From yeah, back in the day. Sure, because when um, the when the Spice Girls kind of blew up back in ni- sort of the mid '90s, I was doing most of the I was doing uh, most of the music shows on TV. So we did a show called The Ozone, which is like a music interviews, and then we did Top of the Pops, which is a performance show, and then also all the festivals and all that kind of thing. And so this, these girls would kind of would be on my, come across my uh, radar maybe twice a week, you know. So I was kind of familiar with them. Yep. We yeah we just kind of we having known each other for for twenty years, it just seemed like a good idea. I think that my sense is that she wouldn't have done radio. Uh, or wouldn't have taken this opportunity if it was with anyone else other than you. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? We, we she, she, does, by her own admission, she's not really that interested in the kind of more of the technical side of things. Yeah. Whereas, kind but of, that's okay though, isn't it? Absolutely. You just wanted to be, you just wanted to be her. Think, you know. And the key thing is uh, with any with anyone who's new to radio, she never she hadn't done radio before. Uh, is just you just want to be able to feel confident enough not to worry about anything, mm. to allow you to do the things that we want you to do. Mm. And again, it was tricky because she has come from a, a background which was about, you know, she's a big star, and stars behave in a certain way. They give a certain... They give back in a certain way. They live up to a certain image or style. And the idea of then coming on the radio and being able to have, you know, 
that may be ripped apart by mm. some big bloke making fun of you or <laughs> or just being able to have to talk about you know when you're taking your kids to school or whatever it might be it's tricky for those like, well hang on why would i talk about you know changing nappies when i'm uh you Great know i've sold multi-million yeah. yeah. records so and so breaking that down and being able to say you know what people when you say you know there'll be a link and she go oh, yeah i ended up back at mcdonald's and we had a quarter pounder and cheese mm. it was great and she go, oh i can't believe i said that that is so and i was like that's exactly <laughs> what we want you to say that's exactly what your people want to hear about this uh, at spice girl you know yeah. picking their nose and eating chips that's brilliant you yeah know? we're not interested in the you know the show busy you know who you might the image you want to project because we want you to be real and that's that's what people love have you mentored her along the way do you think <laughs> i'm not you? sure whether she uh, we well, where did she get feedback from did, i mean you know you you you'd had 15 20 years in media sure. and, and she's yeah. brand new at radio at yeah. least um you know how did how was she introduced into this world and did you sort yeah, of yeah we look we, we 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 do it we have a lot of listen backs we listen back to the kind you know to links and i think that we talk about why certain things worked and why they didn't work and you know she was she's always been very keen to listen she's always been very keen to improve uh and uh and and it's just understanding why though why some links sing and why they hit the spot and why others don't really. Yep. And I guess that is from being honest with yourself, us being honest with her, uh, creating an environment that she feels comfortable in. You know, all those things allow her to be brilliant. And when it, you know, when the show really works or when it's when it really is on form, uh, she's having a great time. Everyone's like, you know pulling in the right direction and it's just one of the things that just it just works yes. so you have a um over the last couple of years there's been a sort of a change not a change of direction but um you've gone from what is it 10 12 minutes of talk time to what is it now maybe five or six minutes is that how, how do you how do you work that I, I guess given you've got that great experience and clearly you you really craft uh um, the work that you do that Mm. that might not be as much of a challenge as it might be for other shows but has that been difficult to cut back on the amount of talk no in a a way it's been slightly easier i find i think it's made the show feel like it's had more pace i mean we we were looking at ways in we were looking at actually what other shows we thought were doing well in the market why were they why were they getting good numbers at these certain times what were they doing differently to us and how could we change and adapt and uh one of the things that we decided to do was that we just felt that we just felt that we generally we our links were too long and they were a bit. We just felt that why don't we just try and trim everything down a bit, give it more of a pace. One of the things we did was we uh, we made a conscious decision never for the music ever to stop, so we would never have dead air under anything. So we come up, we come maybe slightly early off the back of songs, but we would. Uh, crunch and roll into songs without yep. leaving any dead air. We put maybe beds in if there were some bigger content pieces, and we were really quite strict with ourselves. Said, "Is there any reason why this link should ever go beyond two or three minutes? And if there has to be a good reason why." And we just felt that we were getting more music away. And I think the with the audience, the feedback we were getting from the audience was they felt like we were playing playing more music, uh, which is a big driver for our audience. Uh, they also felt that we. I felt that the links were neater and they were were a bit more z- brighter zing you know a bit zingier mm-hmm. <laughs> i was trying to think of terrible words no, that's a great <laughs> let me write that down it just, it just felt like <laughs> it felt like it felt breezy right uh which we which was a sort of theme that we wanted to get from mm. the show and there was no big clunky stop downs and there was no you know 
And I mean, look, it's that discussion around talk time and how much are we talking and how much should and shouldn't we talk can often be, a, a, you know, a difficult one to navigate from a content director's perspective. But it sounds like you guys have really bought in on that yeah. and you can see the the bigger picture. And I can, I think it's all about how you know it came from. That really came from us as well. It came from on air, right? So it wasn't like which is brilliant. It was, which, yeah, it because be. it wasn't like because sometimes you hear horror stories from other guys on other shows going. Christ, I've been told I have to keep my gob shut for yeah. stopwatch. <laughs> yeah, and I'm allowed. I'm allowed to talk twice in an hour, yeah. and some, or something like that, which yeah. is which is just crazy. And it, it was it hadn't it hadn't it didn't come from management at all. This was us being honest, listening back and going, oh, you know, I, we need to get to the point quicker. Or there's a that we could have got to that end thirty seconds before that. Yeah, uh, and by being and by you know having that sort of brevity there just felt more. It, the whole show felt punchier. So the, we, we're, we're playing, it's not that we're playing kind of more segues and we're not like putting back, back to songs back to back. We're still there in the mix, but it's just what we're saying is briefer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, get it. So I've got a young audience listening to this podcast. They're starting out in radio, learning how to get better at what they do. Any advice for a young person that's either student radio or com- community radio about to, about to embark on this career? What, what kind of advice would you give for uh, a, okay, it's a young tr- radio host? Uh, it's, um, I guess the, the first thing is to listen to as much radio as you can consume as much as you can. One of the great things about, uh, the, uh, one of the things that's great things about the internet is that we can now listen to Australian radio because the shows in the States, although I wouldn't do that. Listen to as much radio as you can. What listen, are they listening for? Listen to how people get in and out of songs, the little t- t- techniques that some presenters use. I'm not saying you should copy people that you like, but try and understand why they do things in a certain way. I love um, that study technique. I say it often. Yeah, I think absolutely. It's so true. And what's great is if you can listen to, if you can take the sort of the best bits from maybe three or four popular presenters, then instantly there you're creating a kind of Uber presenter. Um, you know, it's a lot. A lot of what we do in our, our businesses is essentially being a kind of you know magpie nicking from other people's nests. Listen to what they do, how they do it. Go, that's good, or that sounds a bit, a bit lame. Obviously, it's important that you have your own voice and you do it in a certain way. Uh, but I think that um, by learn, listening and learning from others is really, really important. I think the other thing that um, I've been really interested with, certainly with your success, is and coming back to what we sort of started out with, this idea that you can be successful without having to pick a single particular focus in and around. You know, normally in terms of me- in terms of different well, mediums, just do you one mean? thing really well, and, and then it's sort of it's a kind of a standard approach that we take into uh, most coaching, which is you know just find that thing that you're good at and do it do it often. Yet you're a great example of someone that's been able to. Incorporate Incorporate a whole bunch of skills across sure. a whole bunch of different mediums. I think a lot of that to do is because I'm all constantly terrified of being out of work. So by maximising any kind of income generating <laughs> streams, then you've always think, well, I might have something else to fall back on. Right. I mean, it is a fear that drives us all. You know, you know, no, even though you know you've been doing the show, I've been doing the show for you know nearly twelve years, and yet you know there's always someone younger and better looking and cheaper. So you're constantly being, you're constantly aware of that, and it's a good, it's a good driver. It makes you, it stops you being complacent. Congratulations on a brilliant portfolio of work, Jamie, and <laughs> it's been Greg. an awesome um, <laughs> chat. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Hey, good advice from Jamie Thixton to finish on. If you want to work in radio, if you want to get great at radio, you need to listen to lots of radio and to listen for great technique from uh, presenters who you love. 
Hey, still to come in Season 3 of Game Changers Radio UK. It's so easy to fall into the, the, the terminology and the way of speaking that, that you think, so, you know, phrases like, OK, keep it here. Yeah. And, you know, in real life, you don't say, keep it here, no. I'm making a cup of tea, next. You know, you don't, do you? And so I think speaking like a real human gives you that longevity because styles come and go. You know, hot rocking or, or, or cool or, you know, that kind of Ibiza. You, you know, whatever style it is, if you, if you, if you import some kind of fake persona mm. eventually it'll go out of fashion or people will see through it and the only way any of the, the best broadcasters I ever know have had that longevity is by 100% being yourself and speaking to a microphone like you'd speak to your mates that's Mike Toolan he joins me next week on Game Changers you can sign up for the latest at radiogamechangers.com and check out all of our chats from seasons 1 and 2 while you're there see you next week Game Changers Radio is a production of Craig Bruce Coaching and Bad Producer Productions. Subscribe at iTunes or download episodes at radiogamechangers.com.